Hey guys, welcome to the show. Today we have Chris Zavolanos. He's joining us from Alberta, Canada. Uh, we're excited to have him uh, on the podcast. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, David, for yeah. having me. Awesome. Um, well, Chris, uh, well, like uh, we talked a little bit about your oil and gas experience. Um, I know you have over 25 years. You're a veteran in the industry. Why don't you tell us, uh, you know, we're shooting this podcast during this COVID uh, pandemic, you know, sort of post-COVID if somebody wants to call it that. But anyway, uh, yeah. you know, how is the industry doing? What's your take on uh, on the industry overall in, this, uh, in these sp special times? Well, because of COVID, obviously the border's being shut down. World's demand for oil is down. So everything is definitely slower. It's been a change in the industry, just us doing the Zoom meeting. You know, there's a lot more Zoom meetings. People aren't allowed in the offices. Exploration's down, which is, is upstream. So it is slower, but that being said, we are in oil and gas and energy as a general, it's gonna pick up just like everything. Just the world's gotta get through these uh, troubling times right now. Got it. And what are some steps that the industry you think is taking and that's working for uh, for the oil and gas you know obviously everybody's having to adopt i'm curious to hear what what's working and what's not well from a safety measure you mean with the covid like yeah i mean safety top? measure kind of like obviously that's kind of top priority um yep. really if you were to say safety perhaps everybody's going digital first like you talked about zoom really kind of like different aspects um, of the industry itself that you, you know, people, steps that people are taking? Well, even myself, I've got a lot of protocols from new oil companies. Basically now we have to try to practice safe social distancing, but there's a lot of jobs still in the industry that you can't write down to drive to work that, you know, before you'd have five guys in a truck, now you have to take three trucks and have that social distancing. So that adds up to more money, you know, when you're lining up services, there's no more signing bills on lease. There's no more of any of that. You have to actually email invoices. They don't want you touching other people's pens. So it is about the safety of the people, but it's a definitely a difference in the industry because of it. And we everybody's trying to get used to it, actually. Yeah, and do, do you feel like this? some of this would kind of change your industry? Um, as it, you know, evolves uh, through, you know, post COVID, perhaps like once we find a vaccine yeah. and things are settling down. I think it will again with uh, lower oil prices because demand's lower. This is actually helping maybe some oil companies not having all the people in the office. People are working from home, so I do see a lot of that getting adapted going forward in the future. I don't know if it's all great because I know it's tough to do it with kids at home and whatnot or try keeping people's drive forward, but it's definitely going to change the industry. And I think it's going to be a lot of industries going forward as how they're going to change. And we'll have to see what happens after this COVID is done, Got I it. guess. Yeah. Any tech adoption, like things that people are having to adopt um, without an option at you know, whatever they have. Oil and gas has a bad rap as a laggard in the tech industry, or at least in the tech, you know, from a tech standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's what's funny. And I 
hope we could dive into this a bit more. Yes. The oil and gas industry being so innovative, and it really is. Like over the last 20 years, the adoption of technology that we've had from upstream, downstream, midstream is phenomenal. That, But again, people don't truly understand it because we do have a bad rap just from a social engagement on TV saying how bad it is and it's wrecking the environment where truthfully it isn't like I don't know if you want to kind of get into some of that stuff right now but like even if you look at downstream they've right. adopted VRUs years ago which wow. is vapor recovery systems and it just keeps getting better and better basically taking gas from on top of the knockouts treaters it, uh, sales tanks oil tanks and then it's not getting flared anymore it's actually going through compressors down line, being sold. So I guess away from the question is how COVID's gonna change. I will say that I don't, it, it's gonna change the world. And I do think the adoption is gonna be huge in our industry, just right down for cost savings, it's gonna help the oil companies because right now, when there's people in the field, there's not gonna be a thousand guys or a hundred guys doing these fracks. They're gonna have to maintain that social distancing. But now we are going to have to adopt right down to, per se, right invoices. Before you used to mail this invoice to here, to here, to here. Now it's going to go to the end user right through the technology that they're going to be creating. And actually, Rigger Talks are doing that as well because it's about saving money, actually, saving time and making sure everything's safe out there. Got it. Um, are IoT, big data, AI, how are these, what do these terms mean to someone in the oil and gas, a leader in that industry? <laughs> well, there's huge AI and all that stuff, especially on all sides of it, to tell you the truth. Because even right now, if you look at pipelines, and I don't know if we should get into that, but the analytics, the data that we're getting, and for example, if you start dealing with midstream, you look at a pipeline. It's the most efficient, safest way of actually transporting oil in the entire world. For greenhouse gases, it's, you know, 70% better than trucking it and training this oil. But the AI in it, they could actually monitor prior to pipeline breaks. And that's right. where we got a bad rap in the industry is pipeline breaks and stuff. But the analytics that they got right from fiber optics, if there's, you know, any vibrations, this AI is already built into the industry that they're going to, be able to find any kind of problems prior to it coming. So behind the scenes, there's huge AI involved there. So yeah. sort of like predictive, um, you know, safety measures that AI uh -huh. and potentially machine learning can, you know, indicate and signal on the pipeline side of things. That's what you're talking about because of the analytics and how much data that we can gather from those. That's right. And even from satellites now, they got temperatures from satellites that they come onto the ground. If it's a degree higher, less, whatever it is, what is that? And that's AI. That's not somebody looking at every satellite. That's right. built into a system that they're going to say, get an operator there, get somebody there. What's going on with that? Let's shut the ESD valve, which is an emergency shutdown valve, tell somebody gets there to minimize any kind of spill if there was a spill. Got it. Um, and then how is the mobile app technology uh, making an entry or a breakthrough in the oil and gas space? For different apps in the oil and gas industry? Yeah, or? yeah. I mean, what are you seeing? What type of apps are you seeing more prevalent in that? 
Well, there's not a lot of apps, but obviously dealing with SCADA and stuff like that, because there's so many different sites. You start dealing with SCADA, people have transmitters, everything on their actual phone. So again, if we get back to pipelines, so say there's a high pressure, low pressure, again, they'll get alert through apps, through APs, it's basically built in the back end of the software saying there's an issue here. Let's figure out what it is. You know, even for, for example, Rigger Talk, our app we built and it's come, well, it's out of there actually, but watching the people use it more and more, it's pretty humbling just watching that just because people are becoming more computer savvy and app savvy and stuff like that. And it simplifies life. Right. So let's jump into Rigger Talk since you kind of, that's one of your yep. flagship apps. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about what it does in the oil and gas space. Well, it's basically real-time information for every company. Again, my background, like you said, I have over 27 years and I found a niche that, uh, maybe not a niche, but I found an issue that you can't find services or equipment. And if you're in the field, doesn't matter where you are, you're trying to call and none of the numbers work. And the old ways work. So I thought you need to put real-time information that every company could update in real time again. And so it doesn't matter where you are. If you're looking for a hotel, you just type in hotel shows where you are on the map. It might be if you're going to Houston, you click, it's their direct numbers to get to it. And this works for every company because every company puts their own keywords and category search that pertain to their own business. So that was kind of almost like a project thinking, is this going to work? Isn't it going to work? And as we kept on diving into it, we did come on 2015, which was kind of the downturn of the industry. And we haven't really seen a huge uptick, but it's been flattering to see how many people that we do have using it and how many people are on it. Because at the end of the day, like you said earlier, the oil industry sometimes adapts later to tech. And that's like myself having a consulting company for 20 years. I always wanted a website. And I thought, how do I get this website? You don't know how to do it. So when I built Rigger Talk, I put my actual website on it. So essentially Rigger Talk's kind of like, and I'm not saying we're Google, but it's similar like that, that it's a search engine that everybody can put their own information in and almost like software as a service. You could build a website with inside of it in 15 minutes. And now you are on world map and being able to be found through search engines and stuff like that. Got it. So it's, it's sort of a directory service uh, exclusive to oil and gas. And then you can create profiles of each of these companies. And, you know, does it also have profiles of folks in the industry, like leaders and, you know, people who are uh, popular and who consultants and, you know, folks like you? Absolutely. So if they have a company, they can put it on. If you go there and just type in completions or whatever it is that pertains to your business or consultant or work, you, those companies will come up. So it doesn't matter what your profession is or what your company is. You can put any keywords that pertain to your business. So yes, so it is essentially a service. We are got, you know, other things coming, obviously. We've got a jobs equipment map, but we're focusing more to our product as a service and getting more engagement. We have been doing some serious uh, programming that's going to change the industry, which is pretty exciting, actually. Got it. Now, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you do agree that the oil and gas industry is overall a laggard in terms of technology. Why do you think that is the case? What is the resistance uh, from leaders in the industry? I don't know if it's resistance. I just feel that uh, once something's working, they just keep going on with that. 
you know, even if it's old technology, maybe it's processing downstream, whatever it is. Once you have something that works, they just go with it until it doesn't work or until there's a government policy that changes it, that makes you actually have to change it. Like I said earlier, for VRUs, vapor recovery units, you can't flare gas anymore in most places or most countries. So there is a place that we have to refine it and figure out a better way for the world, which is smart. But it, it does take, you know, sometimes a government body to make those changes. But so I think that may be a lot to do with it. But if you look at something else when it comes down to safety, and again, safety would be a huge one, but you look at exploration or upstream, it is huge to see what the drilling rigs and what they've done in the industry from you know, top drives, not spinning chain. And again, the audience may not know that, but there's a lot of pinch points there. A lot of people used to get hurt. But now what they've done with these top drives, it's guys are not even on the floor making these connections anymore. So mm -hmm. it is automated and it's probably taken, like you said, the industry a long time to do it or this many numbers of incidents before they did it. But once they do adapt to it, I feel that our industry is very innovative because it's the experience with the guys and the technology that comes together and makes us innovative. Right. And I, I think uh, if I am understanding you right, it's, it's sort of like we have the saying when we write code, if it's not broken, don't fix it or don't touch it. So yeah. it's sort of like the same concept um, is like, okay, it's working. Let's kind of keep going with this, see how long this goes. Yeah. A lot of your equipment is very expensive. Like, you know, the ROI is, is a huge deal for, for this industry. Am I right? Uh, for sure. The return on the investment, once they're looking at that, is it makes sense, even if it's just right down to a program for actually invoices that we have to be looking at right now because of the pandemic that's happening in the world. It's big money. It really is. Now you have to adapt. If you get these big oil companies, now you have to train these guys and people don't like chain and that's natural. I think that's in every industry. They're just like, Oh no, we don't want to do this. Even if it makes sense. And I think that has a lot to do with why people don't want to do it. And not to mention when they brought this in training, these people getting everybody used to doing this, that's big money. There's a lot of resistance with employees, everything else. So I think that's the biggest thing that would restrict it. But that being said, I do feel that our industry is very innovative. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th I think there is innovation in terms of, like you said, there's AI analytics, data prediction, mm -hmm. um, things like that, that is happening. Um, perhaps more from the safety standpoint, safety is, like number one in this industry, a lot of it's and environmental, related. right? I think environmental would be, well, obviously human safety is number one. Environmental is number two, but that's what's driving a lot of this. And you do see the big players and the big companies in their Hitachi, you know, Red Hat. I see them at all these blockchain IoT shows with, and it's all about data and it's incredible what's going on right now. So I do see our industry is adapting a lot more but they don't or it's tough breaking through those barriers with the oil and gas companies i do believe it's because of the training and complacency of all these companies so um and let's talk a little bit about environment right um yes. obviously you know 
people, most people tend to think oil and gas is fighting the environment, right? Yeah. You know, and, you know, what is your, first of all, what is your take on that? You know, how do you address that? What's your response? Uh, you know, if you were to be respectfully disagreeing with that, right? Well, again, that's political. I don't really like getting into that and the propaganda with the news and how they portray, portray our industry. You see all these protests against pipelines and stuff, and I'm not saying they shouldn't or they should. I'm just saying the ignorance behind it, they don't truly understand. There's never been a healthy campaign for why midstream, which we'll say is pipelines, what we're actually doing. And that's, I think, where the environmental side comes in. You know, pipelines never killed anybody. There's, there is spills, but there's always trained derailments. And if they're really truly caring about the environment, the greenhouse gases, pipelines are way better for the environment. And now with the technology behind it, like, and I will say this, pipelines have had technology for years, for cathodic protection from years ago for, you know, double walled pipelines. So if there was ever a spill, it actually leaks into the other pipeline and then they could catch it before because it vents at surface. But the technology they have today is a hundred times better, a thousand times better. They got smart pigs in there. They got high level switches, low level switches, flocals that shuts down ESD valves that right through SCADA. People like we're talking water tech, you could see exactly when a line may burst or we may get a light. But now with the smart pigs, they send these pigs down and they could tell you the metal thickness, you know, any deform, any dents or anything else that, uh, that may be within that pipeline, any cracks. So they're detecting any kind of integrity issues prior to any kind of spills. It does cost a lot of money, but the oil companies are willing to do that. And that's what's not being totaled on, totaled on the news and stuff like that. And that's what's kind of disappointing for our industry. Right. Um, what are some steps perhaps that the industry as a whole has taken within the last two decades, um, you know, that really address some of those concerns? Like if you were to, I'm, I'm sure there are many, but if you were to say these are the top three, what would those be? Well, it's trying to educate and it's tough on our industry to actually educate that to say, you know, why it's safe. So, and it's all about campaigning. Like myself doing this in the industry, understanding this, I could sit and talk with somebody. And the toughest thing about it is, is I don't know if I could actually say there's been three healthy things in campaign and what we do or how it is healthy because there's been so much resistance in the industry. Obviously, and I don't want to get in rigor talk, that's one thing that we're actually trying to do and we're changing it. Mm. You don't have to get into that because it's kind of getting developed, but because it's an industry that everybody wants. You may hate it, but you still want it. And if the people that truly don't want it, they still have heat, they still have cars, they still have lights. And that's where I don't want, and I'm not hypocritical to renewable energy at all. I'm for it, but you wouldn't see it as much if there wasn't subsidized. So you look at fossil fuels, it's the most economical, reliable, and sustainable energy in the world. And that's what the message should be. Not saying, should the oil and gas industries be accountable? Absolutely. For the environment, for everything else. But what steps should we make? And it is through technology and the experience of our people in the industry, but that's the message that we have to get out to everybody. Got it. 
Um, so we talked a little bit about environment um, with rigor talk, sort of, you know, apart from the directory service and the profiles and things like that, sounds mm -hmm. like you're also promoting education in this, um, you know, the environmental aspects of oil and gas, which is often misunderstood um, no. for various reasons. Yeah. So we are doing that. We are doing a little bit of programming. It's kind of premature to say, but we do a, we're basically, it's almost going to be like an ecosystem for healthy talk for everything else. And if people have questions or want to understand what's going on, like open-minded, like it's no different than myself. Maybe it's agriculture business. I want to understand. I don't want to read a Facebook post and say, oh my God, that's going on because 99% of them's inaccurate. So yeah, from rigor talk stance, we do want to educate and almost, well, promote the oil and gas industry best we can through education, through experience, through technology and stuff like that. How, um, let's kind of dive into the rigor talk adoption in the oil and gas, oil and gas um, with, their, with the companies that are using it. How are you acquiring uh, these users? What is motivating if I was working for an oil and gas company? You know, what, what is your model uh, to, you know, bring in yeah. users into this app? So I'll tell you first, I had an idea. I think it was persistence going on oil shows and everything else, trying to get people to use it, hear about it. But it's always tough when it first comes out when nobody's working. Nobody's looking at rigor talk. Nobody's heard of rigor talk. Right. So, you know, it was tough. So when we first came out, we'll just say, put everybody on for free. Within six months, I realized this is the same bad service that is printed service, phone books, because people are saying, well, this number doesn't work. This number doesn't work. So we basically monetize it saying, listen, subscription-based, let's keep it low, but at least people will have to update their information. And if they're not in business or whatnot, they're going to get rid of it. So that's what we started doing. And again going to these oil shows and showing oil companies i've been to calgary lots houston midland showing everybody how this works because i think it is a unique and raw idea that everybody wants to do but nobody ever did it and from there it started making sense we started getting more users and then i started talking to the oil companies and it didn't hurt being in the industry i know a lot of these guys for a long time so from now an oil company perspective how these guys are using, I've been finding a lot more of them now because they're wondering who's still in business. And now it's always about logistics. Saving time and money is always about the fastest equipment coming out there. So now if I was sitting in Houston or Midland or say Lloydminster, Alberta, I could type in backtrack. It shows where I am. And now if you're an oil company out of Calgary, well, who are we going to use? You click and they'll show this many back trucks around that proximity. So now you're calling the closest service to where you actually need it. And again, that obviously saves time and money right there. So that's just kind of one way we start, you know, getting people and using it. And so th that sort of motivates people to get into rigor talk and, you know, yeah. create their profile page because they want to be seen as a local resource that is available. If, Absolutely. You know, a job arrives, right? Yeah. Or when a job So, arrives. and I will say this from rigor talk for the service side and stuff like that. Myself, if you're in the field, there's so many different sides of the industry, but obviously a lot of times it is about time and money for the oil companies. And it's, you know, for myself as a 
well say supervisor that's where i have the same time and money but again it is for the patients and agonization trying to find a service you can't go to these services people and again i'm going to say google's the best company in the world but you can't go to google and type in backtrack and if you do it's all add 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 and it's who's paying there and it will get you somebody maybe six hours away and that's the toughest thing I, I love their platform, but it doesn't help for a lot of guys in the industry. Got it. So you definitely have seen this challenge, you know, with Google and other platforms that are more generic and, mm -hmm. you know, something that's focused in oil and gas, which is what you built as a rigor top. How are you going about, you know, apart from user acquisition, how do you also keep people engaged uh, with, with this app um, so that they continue to see the value and the benefit and not just use it when needed. Okay, now I've hired somebody to do this and you yeah. know. So that, that's a great question because that's where we are just like every company sitting in this COVID, nothing's really going on. Thinking, do we just sit back or do we can continue to grow? And that's why we, these new functions that we do have coming are very exciting. Okay. But what we have right now, again, we're still averaging about 400 new users a day, which is pretty impressive, I think, in these times. But now what I have seen a big shift from, you know, more of the field people to more of the actual executive people looking. So again, in return, that's great advertising for the people on the map trying to get found. So to keep them engaged that way, it's not like we're a news feed, which we are kind of getting more engagement once we start going that route. But right now, we're just factual information. You need something you look for. You want to see where a drilling rig is? In Canada, we are trying to get the drilling rig map in the United States. Again, that's engagement. That keeps people understanding where it's busy if they need jobs. And, you know, jobs or equipment sales. So we have all sides of the industry. And when I, and when I first started this, David, it was one of those things. I want to go and find a loader, whatever it is, trying to buy something. You go to Craigslist, you go to Kijiji, and then, oh, you got to find this. And then you got to go to another website. And they're so generic. Like you said, you go to Craigslist, I look for a loader, or I end up buying a toaster. There's, it's just so complex. I just wanted something that's just right there for the right. folks for the oil and gas industry. Yeah, that, that, uh, that's pretty awesome that uh, you're also keeping that, that engagement going. Um, we're gonna take a short break. Uh, and when we come back, uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about the future of Rigor Talk and uh, perhaps a little bit about the future of the industry as well. ModeStack has a tool that can assess the need for an app and identify the key benefit area for your business. It takes less than 10 minutes for the assessment. When you complete the assessment, you get a detailed report on whether an app initiative is a fit for you and what area it would benefit you the most. Check out the tool at 30dayapps.com. That is 30dayapps.com. Now back to the show. Chris, um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, where do you see the future of, what's the roadmap for Rigor Talk? Um, at, you know, post COVID or through this COVID time, how are you, how are you staying true to your roadmap and what's the roadmap looking like? Well, like you said, from the ROI, I've been watching our analytics 
and stuff like that, seeing what maps are going, talk to people because obviously it's my users that's actually helped make Rigger Talk too. Somebody gives you a suggestion and you listen to it. So we do have four new things on the go, kind of pre-stages. It's going to change a lot, get more engagement. Like, and I don't really want to get into too much of that right now, but uh, this is just the stuff that I could see getting more engagement. And obviously with this COVID, we're going to be doing some uh, invoice stuff like that all online. And it's not about tracking people. It's about tracking and reducing the say savings for actual oil companies. And again, we've got a lot of that coming on because it's one of those things. Do you sit through COVID and not do anything and expect everything to go back to normal? I think it would. But this is where we come out of this and we're going to have some great technology. And I do think we're going to change the industry, right? From advertising to the way you look for services to the way people, and well, we're saying for campaigning, we want a healthy, reliable and educational backing on the industry. And I think that's which way we're going to start going. And it will drive a lot more people that actually are proud of the industry that they do. Got it. Um, how have you had to make any pivots or adjustments on the roadmap itself from the product standpoint with COVID? Um, you know, curious, some of our audiences also entrepreneurs who may be in a similar situation struggling um, yeah. perhaps what would be your advice and you know what adjustments you have made and what have you learned from that well that is a great question obviously being online we haven't had to do much other than it was a question do you want to spend hundreds of thousands of more dollars developing or you just want to maintain you know, so I can't answer the question. I guess only time will tell about that. But our side, we haven't really had to do much other than not being able to see guys. And more or less, it's tough for a lot of guys in the industry. Like I've seen so many companies close their doors and it's, it's sad. 25 plus year companies that worked hard for this and now their hands are tied. So it, it's very sad in our industry to see what's going on. I wish everyone the best because I know it's hard work get in our industry and do what we do is hard work. And I'm not saying other industries aren't, but when you say stop and pivot, I think for any company, any entrepreneur, I know you want to chase your dreams. You want stuff to work. Sometimes it doesn't. This isn't my first idea. I've had multiple other ventures that I thought would work. And there's just a time that you have to just sit back and say, is this what you want? Can I make this work? And do I want it to work? Because if you don't want it to work and you're not willing to put 10, 12, 18 hours in a day, you're not passionate enough and it won't work. And that's what it is about. And when I said earlier about the persistence, I, I'm not saying I work hard and make push down people's face. I do understand, I believe it works from a professional backing that I came from. So now it's just, do you have the drive to get that out to people? So I think that's huge for any entrepreneur. If you don't 100% believe in it, want to back yourself, it's, it's not going to work pack it in, figure out something else. Yeah. I mean, if you just got into entrepreneurship expecting quick money um, and get rich quick, fast type approach, obviously, you know, you're going to dry out fast, right? Um, you really need to know the, you know, like you talked a little bit about the passion of, you know, dry, you know, 
number one, the determination and the drive comes from that. Like if you're not passionate about what you're doing and you're not sure about the problem you're solving, Mm-hmm. You really are not going to follow through when tough times like these come, right? Absolutely. Everybody's hot out of the gate. I could do this, but it's the duration. And again, you have to have the passion for what you want to do because nobody's going to do it for you. That's the truth. And if you just go and do it because you think you're going to get rich, again, like when I started Rager Talk, it wasn't about getting rich. It was about something that I felt was needed, almost like a social project. And I told my wife about it. And before you know it, you get more people knowing it, using it. And it was humbling. I remember getting a hundred people on a day and that was after, you know, months. And I'm just like, this is cool. People in kind of all over the world. And now we'll have a hundred people all at once on the now, like at once on our website. So again, watching our numbers grow and we do have over 350,000 users. It, it's humbling. And again, that's from passion. That wasn't just by, oh, I threw it on Facebook or LinkedIn one day. This is... Yeah, that, that's, that's a good user base. Now, uh, do you also have European user base um, on this app or is it just United that, States and Canada? You know, That North is America? worldwide. Worldwide, Again, okay. uh, if our customers are mainly right now Canada and uh, Houston, or not Houston, United States. But now we used to gauge by the country. Now I'm watching by the cities and, you know, Calgary always being number one, but it's humbling to see week on week, we might have Houston or Austin, Midland, those those uh, cities are actually moving up our analytics. So we're getting more guys down there. And the odd time you'll see Europe and stuff, but it's not as prevalent, but we are definitely growing. And that's again, persistence. I don't think the COVID's helping us get over there as fast right now either. Well, Chris, uh, I really enjoyed talking with you. Where um, is uh, folks who is looking to learn more about you and more about Rigor Talk? Where can they find you? They can go right to our website, which is rigortalk.com. And there's definitely, you could enter your company right there. You could use it for free. There is a link uh, to our app, which is free. And we are making some big changes. So stay tuned for that. It's pretty exciting on our side, but yeah. All the direct contact information is right on the website and you can get in touch with me anytime. And you are pretty active on LinkedIn too, right? Yes, I am. I'm active on a lot of those profiles. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Well, thank you for uh, coming on the show and talking a little bit about the industry that's sort of new to us, um, you know, and uh, educating us a little bit on, you know, around you know, some of the things that are happening there during this time. Uh, really enjoyed having you on this show. Oh, Thank I appreciate you. it. Yes, I appreciate it too, David. And the nice thing is, is I've been kind of following you with all the tech side that you're doing. Again, a lot of those questions are for my software people and my programmers, but you definitely engage me. Thanks for having me. Definitely. Thanks.